Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You scared money don't make no money. scared money don't make money. You are listening to Inside the Tunnel, a Virginia Tech sports podcast presented by VT Scoop on 247sports.com. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back with another episode of Inside the Tunnel, joined tonight by Doug. We're going to be talking a little bit about Virginia Tech basketball and preview the upcoming game against Wake Forest. First and foremost, Doug, how are you doing tonight? Good, good. Uh, I guess we're going to jump right into crossover season, um, as they call it, when we're doing doing a little bit of basketball, a little bit of football at the same time. Yeah, this is going to be fun. I mean especially after last night. Well, let's just get into it. I mean, first of all, make way. The Nolly trolley is coming through. Landers Nolly, Mike Young, make their debut for Virginia Tech on the road against Clemson. Because there's 20 ACC games this year, they open up the season with an ACC game. Virginia Tech comes in as a seven-point underdog and takes down Clemson in their own house, 67-60. to 60. Doug, that was fun. Yeah, and pretty unexpected uh, as far as considering what Virginia Tech lost and what, you know, from last season, you know, I guess it was eight months, eight months ago now, they're playing Duke in the Sweet 16, and then Buzz Williams leaves, Nikki Alexander-Walker leaves, Obviously, Robinson and that crew leave, so they lose just about everybody, and then open up the first the first game of the Mike Young era on the road in the AC and um, come up with a seven point win behind thirty points from the guy who sat out all of last year ineligible. So um, I don't think Mike Young could have drawn up a better start for his uh, for his tenure and. You know, obviously, people feeling a lot better at one and zero now than one and zero in in the ACC rather than you know one and zero over a team like like Cop Coppin State that they're going to play next. So a nice win. I don't think Clemson's you know the class of the ACC or anything, um, but every ACC win matters, and um, every ACC road win in particular is tough. So you know, a surprise a surprise for Tuesday night in early November, I think. I got to say this, I don't want to go back to last year, but I have to after seeing Landers Nolly scoring 30 points, asking myself what could have been, maybe a healthy Justin Robinson, maybe a little Chris Clark action off the bench. I mean, the team last year already was one bucket away from, what, the Elite Eight? And, you know, first real Sweet 16 in school history. And now it makes me wonder if they had all these pieces together. I mean, it, it looks like a Final Four team on paper. But, it, you know, in all actuality, 
watching the team last night, the both of us said that, you know, we were we didn't know what to expect out of Virginia Tech. The entire roster is new. There's a bunch of freshmen making their their debuts. Naheem Allen, I I think many of us thought that he was going to redshirt, and all of a sudden he comes off the bench and contributes 11 points, makes a couple three pointers, and uh, you know Landers Nolly was the was the star, but you know for the opening four minutes of the game, you look at the team, the nerves coming in. It seems like everyone is, you know, not trusting their own ability, maybe not realizing the the occasion that they're in. Maybe the moment is too big for them. And then it was nice to see that they hung in there a little bit. And, you know, Clemson aren't world beaters by any means. But, you know, after the first four minutes, they started competing a little bit, started making some baskets, really trusted in each other. And I think that's the most important part of this win for Mike Young and his team is the belief in one another and seeing that if they trust the system and how they can contribute to their roles that, you know, anything is possible. Yeah. It's huge as far as like Mike Young's taking over a team that coached by Buzz Williams, who obviously um, developed such a close relationship with his players. Um, And they trust Buzz so much that, you know, you, you could see a situation where, where the runners like BD and Wilkins and and Horn um, kind of question question what the new guys doing almost if 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 things are going poorly. So to get off to a good start is kind of like validation that Mike Young and the things he's telling them and the things he wants them to do are going to work, and you know that that they can be just as successful. You know, probably not this year in terms of achieving anything postseason wise, but that he's gonna that he's gonna put them in the right position where they can win games. So um, clearly, they got a long way to go, and there's gonna be ups and downs. And I mean, you're playing Allen. Is that how you say his name? Allen Elaine. <laughs> Elaine Nahim Elaine. He got a freshman. He's supposed to be a senior in high school. Same thing with. Same thing with Ojiako. Um, so now he's Virginia Tech playing freshmen, but they're basically playing high school seniors right now. Uh, um, so they're definitely going to uh, hit their bumps in ACC play. But, I mean, to, to get a seven-point win on the road in the ACC in the first game of the year wasn't pretty, but I don't think anybody's first game of the year is pretty. I was just watching Georgetown struggle to beat Mount St. Mary's. Um I know Nebraska got smoked by, like, UC Riverside or somebody, and even Kansas against Duke on Tuesday night. Kansas turned the ball over 28 times. So first game jitters or whatever, it's probably more like is the first game of the year, and all these guys have never played together and never played in a college basketball game, most of them. But, you know, they figured it out and came together and, you know, I think you touched on the fight and the togetherness that they had. And, like, no, Virginia Tech's not going to out-talent anybody. Maybe Nolly, the Nolly trolley, will, will uh, be able to out-talent some people at some point. But it's they're going to win close games, all of them, basically. Chugga, 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 chugga. Choo-choo, Landers, I, Nolly, trolley. I will say, I want the Nolly trolley. You know, you know like in... For the Yankees, how 
when Aaron Judge comes up to the plate, they have the judges' quarters and they all stand up. I remember like way back when when Gary Sheffield played for the Braves, they would have Sheffield chefs, chefs, and they would all be in chefs' costumes stand up. I want a trolley in the student section of Wayne's uh, Castle Coliseum all year long, and then you know I'm sure there's plenty of sounds and other. You, you could take that quite a ways if you're Virginia Tech students. Yeah, the, the the guy on the soundboard at the top, every time he drains a three, instead of, I mean, whatever they play, you know, Landers Nolly for three, they should put on, you know, <laughs> whatever a trolley makes. It, you know, I make it sound more like a train, but, you know, figure something <laughs> out. <laughs> they they can make it happen, but, you know. I was going to make a train noise, too, but, yeah, it's a trolley, so you got to figure out you got to keep an eye out for trolleys around town and see what noise they're making. Or maybe we can figure out a better nickname. But that one was pretty good. It was on the fly. <laughs> you know, threw it out there last night. Threw a little uh, like picture it. art. Uh, check out I the Twitter. I think it stick. I hope it does stick. Um, but, you know, in, in, in terms of this Virginia Tech team, I think from my end, I just want to preach patience that it was a very impressive result. You know, Mike Young is, and and you tweeted this out yesterday, he's in the running for ACC Coach of the Year, Landers Nolly, ACC Player of the Year. You know, in all actuality, you know, that was an impressive win, but, you know, it's it's going to be a season with a lot of ups and downs, and it's about managing those expectations. And if you're a fan that's excited to see this team grow, build into the structure, this is the ground floor for Mike Young. Whatever happens this season – it, you know, it's all up from here. He's establishing his culture. He's trying to get his guys in positions to succeed. So I think there's going to be some sneaky upsets along the way. I think there's going to be some games where fans are a little disappointed in, in the final score, but it's the journey, not the end game. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a long season. Um the ACC's tough, but I feel like the ACC's maybe a little down, at least it, on the surface. It feels like everything is is balanced. That you know there was a there was a lot of teams that it was very top heavy. Last year was an exceptional year for the ACC, but it feels like a lot of that talent departed for the NBA. Of course, they emerge over the course of the season, but it seems right now the landscape of college basketball in general. Is very even that there's a lot of teams that can kind of jockey for position. Yeah, it's kind of like the entire ACC Coastal for football. Uh, um, when you got like Boston College and Georgia Tech and Wake Forest, and I don't think Miami's going to be any good this year. They got smoked by Louisville last night. Um, you know, I think this year you're basically going to have your Duke, UNC, Louisville, UVA. Florida State will probably be good again, and maybe Syracuse. And then everybody else kind of feels like they're going to be pretty mediocre. Um, so to just see how how the team progresses over the course of the year, by no means am I saying that Tech is going to finish seventh or sixth in the ACC and be on the bubble of the NCAA tournament or anything. But I think from what they showed against Clemson, if they can – now they've they got one more ACC game coming up in the early December against Duke, which should be interesting. Um, but they've basically got two months to just 
develop and against lesser competition, which is probably what this group needs. I just realized in my head that NIT stands for Nolly is Trolley. It all makes sense now. I think you're pushing it now. (laughs) (laughs) Last thing I do want to touch on about the Virginia Tech basketball team, I think a lot of people were alarmed when the projected starting lineup came out, and it was Hunter Couture who was in place of Jalen Cohn. Jalen Cohn is a former four-star composite-rated recruit, a guy that was really getting offers from from everyone. I know at one point Louisville was really looking at him. And then Hunter Couture, a guy that's committed to Wofford and then flips over late with Mike Young. So kind of a tale of two different prospects, so to speak. Um, you, You touched on it a little bit with a lot of these guys. This should be their senior year of high school. It's crazy that, you know, the acceleration of, of prospects committing to colleges and already playing so far. But, you know, for, for Jalen Cohn, is this a concerning thing not to see him as much on opening night? No, I don't think so at all. I mean, he's, like you said, he's a 17-year-old, 18-year-old, should be a high school senior. Um, I think I saw on Tech Talk Live um, a couple weeks ago when they had Mike Young on that he didn't, he didn't, he got to Virginia Tech late, so he hasn't been with the team for that long. Um, and, and really, at the end of the day, like this is an ACC road game that you're trying to win, um, and Virginia Tech knew they have they had to defend to to win this game. And I think Couture at six three playing on the road with Beatty is probably the best defensive lineup right now, as opposed to Throne, who is smaller than you like smaller than small uh, out there right now. So I don't think it would have been fair to put him out there for 30 minutes and just, you could do that against the, you know, a non-conference game, one of these non-conference games coming up where I think he's going to play a lot more. Uh, but when you're trying to get, trying to get an ACC win, I think you got to ride your best, your best lineup. And they basically played, um, essentially played six guys, big minutes. And then, and then Cohn, Radford, and Ojiako got a got a little bit of little bit of run, but um, yeah, I don't think there's any concern there. And maybe Beattie and Kintour start the whole season, and Cohn can kind of fall into this like six man spark plug kind of guy. Um, but I think he's going to be just fine. I'm so glad you said that because those are my exact thoughts. I know a lot of people were freaking out over the interwebs and on our live game chat. But it well said, eloquently said. Um, and I, I guess the last thing I do want to throw in there, uh, the defensive look as a whole, it looked like these guys were were vying for a, a key position in the ACC like it was in January, the way they were playing defense. And I was really, really impressed with the way that Mike Young when he came to Virginia Tech, everyone expected this high-octane offense, and I think very undervalued was the development from Buzz Williams and how he taught his guys how to play defense. And I think that transitioned into offense, the energy from making a stop on the defensive end to all of a sudden pushing it in transition and, and getting a basket. So 
looking at that last night, there was a lot of key plays. Wabisa Beatty's block, uh, you know, beating the press and and getting it up court for the for the horn dunk. I mean, there was a lot of plays that stick out in my mind about this Virginia Tech team that seemed like they were pretty in midseason form, at least defensively. You know, that defensive performance and what they did there down the stretch, as as new as a lot of these guys are and as, as young as they are and how basically all of them have never contributed in the role that they're going to be expected to contribute this year. Um, if you look at the, the really the six guys that they played most of the game, Horn, Beattie, and Wilkins are key players on last last year's team and played big minutes. Nolly didn't play, but he was around the team. Um, so as far as, like, you could tell there during that second half, that especially Beattie and Horn, um, I think they've been through some battles and they know how to win in the ACC and they know how to win on the road. And I think that showed up and was huge um, as far as their leadership and um, clearly what they've been practicing and coaching over the last, during the preseason came through uh, and how they needed the the level of effort they needed to play on defense to try and win that game. And you saw it. I mean, BD comes up with a block and then a, and then a, and then a nice dish to Radford on a layup. And then I think Couture got trapped in the backcourt and the ball bounced around a little bit. It ends up with Beattie and he, he calmly looks ahead and finds Horn and gets an and one dunk. So I think that's just a lot of, a lot of grit from like the guys that have been there before as young as this team is. You know, nobody's going to expect Wilkins, Beattie and Horn to go out there and put 20, 25 points put up that many points at night, but but as far as being able to make the plays in a close game late, um, that's who they're going to count on. And now we're going to transition over from Virginia Tech basketball over to Virginia Tech football. For those wondering, Chris Arvin will be joining us in future weeks. He was a little busy tonight. He's our basketball guy. We'd love to have him on. He hasn't been on yet, but in, in terms of basketball, it's going to be an exciting season. There's going to be a lot of storylines Doug and I will be there the whole way, talking about it with Chris, too. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Um, but now on to the upcoming matchup this weekend. Saturday, Virginia Tech welcomes Wake Forest, a ranked Wake Forest team. Now, Doug, I saw your preview today. The last time these two teams played... It was so ugly <laughs> under Frank Beamer, you know, completely different teams, and, and now they're matching up, and it seems like 
two offensive-minded head coaches trying to go toe-to-toe to see who's who's got it. Yeah, I think that last the last time these two teams played it was zero to zero, 60 minutes of regulation. Um, I'm curious to see how long it takes for points to be put on the board this game. Um, you know, Wake Forest is a well-coached team. Their head coach, Dave Clawson, used to be the head guy at Richmond, and then he uh, then he left to go be the offense coordinator at Tennessee, which if you're a football coach, you should never go to Tennessee. Um, and then so that didn't work out clearly, but he took over Bowling Green, built them back up, and then spent the last six years, he's on his sixth year um, at Wake Forest. And they're just an experienced especially on offense experience group with, I mean, they're, they've got two offensive linemen, one offensive lineman. He started 46 games in his career. So he's basically been starting since he stepped on campus. Um, and their quarterback, Jamie Newman, everybody talks about Trevor Lawrence in the ACC as far as quarterbacks, but I think he's, he might not be the most like NFL prospect or he might not be the most talented pure, pure talent wise as Lawrence, but, as far as what he's doing this year, yeah, Jamie Newman to me, and I don't even think this is a, a a bold take anymore. I think he literally is the best ACC quarterback this season, outshining Trevor Lawrence, outshining Bryce Perkins. This guy's the real deal, and they had a quarterback battle before the season, and uh, you know, it was between him and. A, a freshman that came in last year, Sam Hartman, and you know it was a tough battle. And Sam Hartman was a guy that won a few games for Wake Forest last year. Jamie Newman hurt, and then all of a sudden comes in this year and looks unstoppable. So I think he is by far and away the most talented quarterback that Virginia Tech will play all year long. And you know this Wake Forest team, especially their offense, is just so scary. And going back to our our preseason predictions, I said Virginia Tech will finish eight and four, and one of the losses would be Wake Forest, and I think that one was heavily scrutinized. A lot of people looked at it and said, "Really, Wake Forest?" But you know, this is a team that has a lot of talent, a really good. I mean, I can go on and on about Jamie Newman. They have two very talented, tall, athletic wide receivers. A, a stable of running backs, a, a good enough offensive line. They have weapons on weapons. They are the number seven overall total offense in college football right now. Wake Forest is in the top ten for total offense. I mean, look, it's going to be tough, but, Doug, what does Bud Foster's unit have to do? They, they had a strong game against Notre Dame. They gave up some yards, but they made stops. Do you Do you think – it's it's possible that Bud can get these guys going on his day inside Lane Stadium and and slow down this Wake Forest offense. Yeah, what a tough tough uh, tough ask for for Bud Foster here on his day in Lane Stadium. To, so we're we're going to be honoring. It'll get interesting if they are showing uh, all these video messages and stuff about Bud Foster. <laughs> If Wake Forest is going up and down the field score points, oh, 
which could get, that could be quite an interesting atmosphere. But yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be really tough. I mean, Wake Forest, you went through some of their numbers. They're one of the best offenses, top to bottom, in the country. Um, besides, I mean, Newman is the guy that kind of makes it all go from the quarterback spot, obviously. Um, as a dual threat guy, he's thrown like 247 passes. He completes something like 60, 70% of his passes. I mean, he's ruthlessly efficient throwing the ball, but then he's also there's one of their leading rusher, 98 carries he's got. Um, so as far as like, like you have dual threat guys that, that like the offense is built around, you know, 70% of the time it's going to be a handoff to the running back. 30% of the time it's going to, the quarterback might keep it, but so you can kind of play the numbers a little bit if you're a defense, but Newman's got just as many carries as the running back does on those, on those read option plays that they run. So I think the front seven of Virginia Tech is going to be tested for a full 60 minutes. And then just when they think, They've got the running game figured out. Wake Forest has got three really, really good wide receivers, including maybe he might be the best wide receiver in all in the country. And Sage Sherat, who his I don't know if it's older. I think it's his older brother older plays. Brother. He, he's the linebacker for for UNC, who used to be the quarterback for UNC that Virginia Tech has some history with there. Um, but he's. He's one of the top receivers in the league and has been putting up stats to back that up. Um, so as far as a multi-dimensional balanced attack, um, this is about as tough as it gets. Here's the way I view this Wake Forest offense, and maybe I'm giving them too much credit here. Jamie Newman reminds me of the best version of Hendon Hooker, a, a dual-threat guy really sound in his mechanics, is able to hit his targets. And speaking of his targets, I mean, I don't have their exact heights, but I think they're all over 6'4". Scotty Washington is like 6'5". Um, Sage Surratt, you know, another guy that's 6'4", 6'5", and, and can fly down the field. And uh, whatever it is with Dave Clawson, they tend to target their their uh, their primary wide receivers on the day. So you could see Surratt or Washington go from anywhere from 10-plus receptions on the day. They really want to get the ball into their playmakers' hands. Short passes, screen passes, anything they can do to set those guys up. And those guys really remind me of, you know, maybe the best versions of Damon Hazleton and Trey Turner, the guys that aren't necessarily – burners at any point, but do a good job of positioning their bodies, making catches, making big plays. You can target them in the red zone, outside, inside. It does not matter. They are that talented. And like you said, Sage Surah is a guy that, you know, maybe a low three-star guy in the recruiting process, but a guy with tremendous natural ability, and they seem to target him quite a bit. One more thing I want to talk about their offense, just to let the people know out there, um, and, and Justin Fuente mentioned this, and I saw this in the first game of the year for Wake Forest, is they have a very strange or unorthodox, I should say, uh, exchange between the quarterback and the running back that when they run the read option, 
you see Jamie Newman hold the ball in the chest of the running back for maybe an extra second or two. So it looks like they're trying to read the play for, you know, much longer than average offenses do it for. Uh, but it allows him the time to read the defense and it just looks very unorthodox, I think is, is the main point here. Um, but Doug, if you have anything to add to that. Yeah, I watched, I think I watched four of their games just to try and figure that thing out. Um, it's not an unstoppable part of their offense. Like it's not like teams that have just been completely dumbfounded by what's happening and haven't been able to stop them for, for little or no yardage, but it's different and it puts a lot of stress on the entire front seven, especially those linebackers, because if they commit one way, they can hit them over the, they can hit them one way, they can hit them the other way. Um, I think that's, I mean, it's, it's a funky looking play how they do it and manage to not turn it over all the time and manage get Newman drilled. Um, it'll be it'll be something new to see at Lane Stadium um, on Saturday. I would say the the one unstoppable part about it is probably when they do throw it off of it. I think that, that's the most dangerous part is if Newman's throwing off of that, he basically like walks up with the ball in the stomach of the running back up like right on the backs of the offensive guard and all in the center. If he sees something that tells him to throw, he's probably throwing to a wide open receiver coming over the middle. Um, so that's what, I mean, that's what you've got to watch out for. And that's kind of what Bud Foster is going to be dealing with all day is trying to figure out how to slow down, slow down an offense. And, you know, they run those kind of plays that grab all the attention, but I think the, Biggest thing to watch is just the the sheer number of plays that they're going to be trying to run. They they operate extremely quickly. Um, they're going to be snapping at 25 seconds on the play clock. Basically, is where they're trying to get to. They're trying to line up and snap it before basically in 15 seconds every play. So um, they'll try and get up around 90 snaps. And if you and Virginia Tech lets them get into that rhythm and play those 90 snaps and go up and down the field, it's going to be a long day for the defense, um, especially in the second half as the game wears on. And I will say, too, I've been watching a lot of the Wake Forest offense and kind of a football guide for dummies. If you watch the offensive line when the ball is snapped, if you see the offensive line moving forward, most oftentimes it's a running play. And when you see them moving backwards, it's most often that they're in pass protection. The thing about Wake Forest is even when they go forwards and you think they're running the ball, Jamie Newman can pull it out of the running back's belly pretty much or out of his arms and, and throw the ball to the outside. So they're extremely deceptional, and, um, yeah, it's going to be a really tough challenge. I, I want to talk about key matchups because, uh, you know, one name that we haven't mentioned yet is Jermaine Waller, who is suspended – for targeting after, you know, the hit against Notre Dame in the second half. He'll miss the first half against Wake Forest. He will be back for the second half. And then, of course, there's question marks around Caleb Farley. He missed the second half against UNC. He played a majority of the game against Notre Dame, but gets hurt again. Comes in for the last play. Doug and I spoke about that 
you know, strange uh, special teams formation and play. Uh, so I, I think it's safe to say that Dave Clawson will want to target Armani Chapman, who's coming in place of Jermaine Waller. And, you know, they have two of the best wide receivers in all of the ACC. Um, so I guess, you know, I'll start there. I think the player to watch on defense, at least for me, is Armani Chapman. I'm going to be monitoring his day. See how he plays. He's a, you know, these guys are, are taller, physical guys. And, uh, you know, Armani Chapman around 5'10", 5'11". He's given up a few inches. And this is really his, his first key moment to make an impact for this defense. It's the Wake Forest wide receivers against Tex defensive backs, just in general, um, Surratt and Scotty Washington. If you're looking at, like Surratt's been the guy that's had all the headlines and, and has been one of the nation's most productive receivers. But if you're looking like who looks like he's going to play on a Sunday, um, Scotty Washington is the guy that probably is going to catch your eye more. They have a third senior receiver, Kendall Hinton, no relation to our friend Reed, but he's very good. Um, so you're, you're, you're basically going up against three wide receivers with maybe a banged up Caleb Farley, a redshirt freshman and Armani Chapman. And, and I, I'm assuming Quillen will probably split some time with Chapman there. Um, and at least in the first half. So I think this game, if Virginia Tech's going to have a chance, um, it'll get decided in the first half based on how Virginia Tech defends those receivers for thir- for the first 30 minutes that they're without Jermaine Waller. Um, I saw on Tech Talk Live this week, Flint actually mentioned potentially taking the ball to start the game if he gets the opportunity. Reason being there to limit the amount of time that the defense is on the field without Waller. Um, I don't know if that's the right move just because you can't guarantee that Tech is going to have a seven-minute drive to open the game, which is what ideally you would want to happen in that situation. Um, but, yeah, that's the matchup as far as Wake Forest's offense against Virginia Tech defense. Um, until Jermaine Waller gets back, considering how that group has struggled, especially Quillen if he's in the game, and just with three, with three of those guys, with three really good receivers against one and a half good corners right now for Virginia Tech, I think that's a real problem. Yeah, that's definitely going to be a very tough matchup to watch. I do want to switch things over to Virginia Tech's offense and Wake Forest defense. Uh, the one guy that I, you know, the, the name is awesome. The the play, the game is awesome, is Boogie Basham, defensive end. He was a tech target, um, you know, the boogeyman. Uh, don't really know his stats, but uh, every time I've watched him play this year, I've always seen him in the backfield celebrating on the television screen. So he's a guy that, you know, piques my interest. Uh, a saying in the back end, and then Chase Monroe, who really could have been uh, ACC linebacker of the week last week for his performance. It seems like with this Wake Forest defense, it's not as high octane as as the Wake Forest offense, and I think a, a lot of the stats may be inflated on the defensive side of the ball just because of how well the offense operates, how much the Wake Forest defense has to be on the field, and, you know, the specialty of the entire team is really 
revolved around their offense, so the defense doesn't really get into the spotlight. But it seems from every single phase of that defense, from the defensive line to the linebackers to the back end, they're still capable of forcing turnovers and making plays on critical downs. So it's going to be a tough ask, and I guess you know all of us are wondering, will it be Hendon Hooker, will it be Quincy Patterson? It seems like it's going to be Hendon Hooker, so... You know, what are the best ways for him to uh, attack this defense? Yeah, I think that's the key question of facing the tech offense is, is it going to be Hooker? I think it has to be Hooker for them to have a chance to win. Um, Patterson, I think, is just too limited um, as far as what he can do for throwing the ball and what what Virginia Tech can call offensively if they – considering they're probably going to need to score in the 30s to beat Wake Forest. And um, I think a hen and hooker offense is the only way to go. Wake Forest's defense, um, they gave up 62 to Louisville. Some of that was special teams play and turnovers and all that. But, I mean, it takes a team to defensive effort to give up 62 points no matter what. Um, so I think there can be, I think Virginia Tech can have success against this defense. They've got a couple pieces, a couple pieces that I think stand out. You talked about Basham and considering where Virginia Tech's defensive ends are this year, I think, if, I think oh, he's, man. From, I, he's I from Roanoke and, and what a fit he would be on that defensive line right now. Tech. So that, that's definitely a 2020 hindsight should have taken him kind of thing. Um, and then Amari Washington is a six-one corner. He leads the ACC in um, interceptions oh. with four. Um, as a team, they have eleven, but they have like some minuscule amount of return yards, which is it's interesting. I guess they just pick it off and fall to the ground. Um, but I mean, this is a group that that has some individual talent, but they're smaller up front. Um, they're kind of your traditional Wake Forest team that you think of um, in terms of they're smaller. Basham's a big defensive event at 175 pounds, but they don't go bigger than 290 on at defensive tackle. Their linebackers are 220, 235, and they have a rover, which I think is more like their nickelback, and he's 195. So I think there's an advantage there for Virginia Tech as far as their front seven. If the goal is to keep Wake Forest off the field by extending drives and taking up some clock and establishing a running game, which I think clearly has to be the goal, um, you can't get into shootout going back and forth with two-minute drives against against that offense. But if Virginia Tech, if the mission is going to be to just control the clock and run the ball and shorten the game, um, I think that this front seven it can be done. Now, last week we, we talked about differences with Notre Dame and Virginia Tech, Notre Dame being the physical dominant force and Virginia Tech bringing the speed. I think this game, it's a lot of similarities in, in my mind. You know, the Wake Forest offense seems like the optimal version of Justin Fuente's offense with a few wrinkles in there. And then defensively, I think Bud Foster's defense right now is in a better state than what the Wake Forest defense is. But, you know, they're both extremely fast. When you look at the defense, you're mentioning a lot of these guys. I think Boogie Basham is 
is the outlier there as one of the bigger guys on the defensive line. But, you know, these aren't 250-pound linebackers. These are smaller guys that are equipped to playing spread offenses and running around the field and running sideline to sideline to make tackles. And, you know, this seems like a very opportunistic defense for Wake Forest. You mentioned it, 11 interceptions with Virginia Tech. It's kind of the same thing. You know, they give up a lot of yards, but they're looking for their opportunities for turnovers or to make stops in the red zone and avoid touchdowns. So a lot of similarities between the two. Of course, Wake Forest doesn't have an Oscar Bradbury. <laughs> right, but they they do have – I think their punter is pretty good. Nick, I think, is his name. Uh, and, you know, old Oscar's got a bum groin right now, so you can't really count on him at this point for Virginia Tech. Um, and then their kicker is actually really good for Wake Forest. He's made, like, 28 in a row. So ah. as far as – yeah, which is not ideal for Virginia Tech, although – when you think about the key field goals that teams have missed against Tech this year from Notre Dame last week to wait to North Carolina in overtime to even Miami on the on the extra point, uh, maybe this is the end for, for that streak. You know, I probably should have looked into Wake Forest special teams before making a bold assumption like that. But I'll take I'm pretty Oscar sure Bradley. they're like I'm pretty sure they're real solid. <laughs> oh man. Well, now I look bad, but whatever. I'll take Oscar Bradburn on a on his opposite leg any day. Yeah, and you know, we'll see if he can come back. Um I think this is a game that you might go for it a little more on fourth down if you're thinking you're gonna need touchdowns over field goals or touchdowns over, you know, punting on fourth and four or something. Yeah, and I want to move into the predictions now because I have so many thoughts going through my mind on how this game could end up. And you're talking a lot about how, you know, Fuente said he wants to take the ball first, maybe extend some drives. It seems like in his mind, as long as Virginia Tech gets the longer opportunities, longer drives, keep Wake Forest offense off the field, out of rhythm, gas out their defense, and, you know, really just keep as many possessions away from Wake Forest as possible that it's not going to be one of those typical high-scoring games. We've seen games where Wake Forest has, you know, gone to the upper 50s, uh, let up 62 points, and then we've seen games where Wake Forest has won 22 to 20. So it seems like Justin Fuente is more in favor of getting closer to that, you know, 24-20 type score, but Wake Forest is going to want to push the tempo. They're going to want to try to find... Armani Chapman and target him early and often, get as many plays as they can, get their offense into a rhythm, and, and really take out the crowd on such a mon- mon- monumental occasion for Bud Foster to celebrate him. You know, take out Lane Stadium. It's another sellout, I think. You know, Wake Forest is, is primed in this game, and, you know, I've been holding back this entire time and been waiting for this predictions part, but I'm extremely scared of this Wake Forest offense. I think uh, I think they're going to be able to score quite a few points. I think Virginia Tech will as well. But I am having a tough time seeing, you know, where this game goes. What do you see, Doug? Yeah, it's hard to predict with, as you mentioned, Wake Forest has kind of been up and down as far as scoring a bunch against 
I mean, they put up 44 last week against NC State and 59 against Louisville. Um, but then they come back and, you know, Hart, Newman was hurt for the Florida State game. They won 22 to 20, but North Carolina 24 to 18, um, struggled to beat Utah State earlier this year. So it's, so they, they're not fully consistent except really offensively, it feels like when Newman's the quarterback. So that's, that's where you worry and, um, you know, this off the Wake Forest offense is it's pretty much what Justin Fuente hopes the Virginia Tech offense is in a year or two when you think about they're starting a junior quarterback, senior running back. Their best two receivers, two out of the three receivers are seniors. Their tight end's a senior. Um, they have two offensive tackle that have started a whole bunch of games in a row. So that's basically what Virginia Tech is working towards here. Um, the question is whether there's a defense enough defense here to stop Wake Forest consistently enough um, and whether I think what the big question is whether Virginia Tech is ready to go with him and Hooker and if they're still the same offense that looks so great against Miami Rhode Island and and in North Carolina um, I think Hooker's health is a big issue and whether or not he's rusty or you know, he, we we basically only seen him play well for when he's been in the game. So what happens when he starts to struggle? When he has you know a couple down drives or throws an interception or something like that. So I think that's you know that that's going to happen eventually. Um, and you worry about if it's this game when maybe Wake Forest has gone up ten points and Tech's got to get got to get points on their drive, and then Hooker throws his pick and all of a sudden you're down seventeen. So. Um, it is worrisome. I do think, I do think the road environment at Lane Stadium has a chance to play a big role in this. When you look, I mean, Wake Forest has been great this year, but they've played a pretty cushy um, mm-hmm. schedule. They've, I think, they've had six at home, and their only games are at um, at Rice and at Boston College. So they haven't really played it a real tough environment to, to this point of the year. So now that, you know, they're looking ahead, maybe they're looking ahead to Clemson next week, which is, is a big game for them that everybody's had circled um, in that ACC Atlantic for years or for weeks. Um, I, don't, I don't think anybody's been looking forward to Clemson Wake Forest for years at this point. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, but you look at, that schedule and whether Lane Stadium can have an effect, whether they're just not roads enough, that we can be completely confident that this offense is going to translate. I mean, they went up to Boston College and scored 27 points. And I think if Virginia Tech is going to win this game, it's going to be in the late 20s, maybe in the early 30s if it gets above that. I think you give the advantage to Wake Forest. Um so as far as a prediction goes, here we go. I think I think I'm gonna go with Wake Forest. Just I think the question mark around Hooker is is too big, and I think particularly the secondary. Um, we're talking about a secondary that is not gonna have. That Farley was banged up late with an ankle injury against Notre Dame. Waller suspended for the first half, and then your safeties have. Been the weak point of the secondary 
season long. So that adds up. I'm not as confident in the Virginia Tech offense right now, and then I don't know if in those first 30 minutes if Wake is just going to go up and down the field on a, on a weekend Virginia Tech secondary. So I'm going to take Wake Forest. Um, probably by about what people expected, at least the people in Vegas expected Notre Dame to beat Virginia Tech by last week. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, again, I brought this up last week in the podcast, but I, I texted Doug before the Notre Dame game and said the margin of, of victory for either Virginia Tech or Notre Dame will be smaller than the one for Wake Forest against Virginia Tech. I did like how you, you brought in some optimism. You talked about the crowd. Uh, you talked about a Wake Forest team that really hasn't played on the road too much, maybe hasn't seen too much you know, stiff competition thus far this year, maybe overlooking a Virginia Tech for Clemson and really making a stake in the Atlantic Conference. So I, I do see avenues for Virginia Tech to win this game. Don't get me wrong. Wake Forest isn't a world beater by any means. They have a, a tremendous offense, which has fluttered at times. And really, when you look at this offense, it's so contingent on one player playing to the best of his abilities, and so far he's done that. But if you, for any reason, if if Jamie Newman's not on point, you know, Virginia Tech is instantly favored in that game. Uh, the, one, the one game that he was not on point for was that Louisville game that he, he eventually went out of that game injured and Hartman took over, but they turned the ball over a couple times early, and Louisville took, uh, I think they were up 28-7 to at one point, so... If you can turn them over early, you can score points on them and get ahead. Exactly. So it, by no means do Doug or I want to make it seem like Wake Forest is, you know, going to come into Lane Stadium and just, you know, demolish. I think there is that capability to them. But, um, you know, when I look at this Virginia Tech defense, I just think it's going to be so tough to try to defend really, really solid, maybe all ACC wide receivers when, you know, you're on your third option at, at one end and you, your first option in Caleb Farley is essentially nicked up from the past two games. So it's going to be tough on the outside if they can hold up. You know, I don't think this game is going to go into the 40s for Wake Forest. Uh, Virginia Tech offensively, we haven't seen the true capabilities of this offense since the first half against UNC, which was multiple weeks ago. So it's tough to say how they're going to come out of this game. I think they're, again, I said it before, there's multiple avenues which Virginia Tech can compete heavily in this game. But ultimately, like Tug, I do see this game being a multiple score, uh, you know, effort for Wake Forest. I see them winning, uh, 37-24. Oof. That sounds about right. Um, I was gonna maybe push up Wake Forest a little more. Into the yeah, low keep it 40s there. there. Maybe like 41, 24, 40 no, to 26. No, no, no. I like put the, it in the 30s. Put it in the 30s. The people, 30, you know, all right. it's more palpable. 39, 23 we'll go with. Did I pick that last week? I might have picked that last week. Thank you. But I, I do want to say one more thing on this. Like, Wake Forest hasn't played anybody on the road thing. I'm looking at their schedule and their attendance at their games. So they played at Rice, and they won 40. 
21 to 21 before 17,500 people. And then they played at Boston College and they won 27-24 before I assume what Boston College called 39,000 people, which, which is a stretch having been up there for the first, <laughs> for the first game of the year. It's a stretch. Um, so I think Lane Stadium is probably going to be more than twice as many people as they've played in um, to date this year. Their last home game against NC State, they had 31,000 in the building. They played, they beat Florida State before 24,000. So, I mean, the, the whole road thing, playing at Lane Stadium, it's a real thing in terms of, like, what they – just haven't experienced as a team yet this year. Um, so I think Virginia Tech, as far as you know, what they can hope for and hope to do, especially on late, especially on um, Bud Foster's day, I mean, I think that's a big advantage for Virginia Tech. No doubt, no doubt. Now, I do want to quickly, before we wrap up, I do want to quickly talk about the implications of this game. Because I don't want people to, you know, take it too far if if Virginia Tech is to lose this game. Because, and I don't want to go down this road again and say that it's not super important. But for the ACC Coastal, it, it ultimately it comes down to you have to beat Wake, you have to beat UVA, and I'm a, you're going to have to beat Georgia Tech. But come on. So, you know, if, if they lose this game, it's a, it's obviously, you know, a pivotal game. Pit. Yeah, you have to be pit. Yeah, you said wait to begin with. Um, yeah, I meant I meant pit. I meant UVA, and then obviously Georgia Tech. But you know, not really considering them right now. Um, but this game isn't the end all be all. Either way, if Virginia Tech wins or loses. Yeah, they got some help last week from. UVA beating North Carolina. So if Virginia Tech, I think if, I think Duke still needs to lose one more time, but Duke's looking like they're fading right now. Um, so that's probably pretty likely. But even if they lose, even if Virginia Tech loses to Wake Forest here, it's looking fairly likely that they'll still control their own destiny, um, to <laughs> emerge victorious from a, three-way tie or four-way tie in the ACC Coastal at five and three. So it would, it'll would it basically just come down to the final three games against the Coastal opponents. And then I guess the implications for a win is that Virginia Tech obviously still controlling their own destiny. They would still have to be Pitt, still have to be UVA. Maybe you can drop a game to Georgia Tech, but come on again. And I guess, uh, you know, furthermore, you would be six and three, and, uh, you know, finally positive in uh, the ACC win column. So, um, you know, either way, it's, you know, nothing is secured after this game. I think this is really what it comes down to. It's Bud Foster's day. It's a ranked opponent inside Lane Stadium. Virginia Tech has struggled to defend their home turf against really any AP-ranked top 25 team, or I guess now we should say college football playoff-ranked team. So this is a big opportunity for the team to, you know, show appreciation to Bud Foster and 
you know, finally reverse the curse uh, and put something in the win column against an, uh, a ranked team. Yeah, and the last thing that this game means is, like, we've been talking about the coastal implications and all this, but Virginia Tech's, I mean, four weeks ago we didn't think Virginia Tech was going to make a bowl when we were trying to figure out on this podcast how to, how we can get to seven wins. Um, and obviously when here in a bowl game the next the next week against um, Georgia Tech. So a win here in Lane Stadium against Wake Forest is not only doesn't only help them in the coastal or a nice win against a ranked team, but it gets them just on the cusp of, of clinching a bowl berth. And that's gonna be it for us tonight. Doug, any final words for the people? Yeah, actually I think that um my girlfriend told my mother that I'm on a podcast for the first time tonight. So, so, Mom, if you're listening to this point of the podcast, I think we're over. I think we're getting close to an hour over here. Hello, mother. Listening. Yeah, and to my beautiful parents that always listen and support me and tell me I'm good. <laughs> Love you guys. <laughs> you guys are the only ones. But anyways, we'll see you guys next week to recap the Wake Forest game. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.